In a world gone mad, only rationality and common sense can save it. It's Andrew and Jerry Save the World with your hosts, Andrew Langer and Jerry Rogers. And now, here's Andrew and Jerry. Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Andrew and Jerry Save the World, episode 27. Andrew and Jerry catch up. I'm Andrew Langer. I'm Jerry Rogers. <laughs> hey, Andrew Langer, welcome you, you back. Know, it's funny. I uh, I was using I was using my radio voice. Your radio voice, yes, yes, indeed. yes, my radio voice. Uh, while we were in Vegas, anyway, yeah. So, so yeah, it's been it's been a few weeks, Gerald, and um, uh, that's why I wanted to. We do we have a, we have a lot to catch. We have a lot to catch up on, and and you're gonna want to stay tuned to. I, I'm assuming we're gonna go for the full almost ninety minutes today. Uh, depending on I don't know what Jerry's schedule is, but I'm I'm going to be here talking for 90 minutes, even if he is not. I'm uh, going to talk about my trip to Freedom Fest. Uh, my 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 going. We're Jerry and I are going to have a discussion of my trip to the soccer stadium on Sunday. Um, all sorts of all sorts of fun things uh, to talk about here, but we're also going to talk about issues. Um, and I actually, I want to start here, Jerry. I know because everyone's tuning in to hear about the soccer game. Well, well no, no, no. Listen, I, well, I do think, listen, <laughs> I do think there are a certain number of people who tune in for the stuff, right? There are folks who want to hear our takes on politics and policy. And then there are other folks who want to hear us talk about, you know, Jerry being aghast that I went to the district to watch a soccer game with my family, but also he drove like to, 16 hours, 600 wanna, miles. Also want to hear about, uh, about my almost getting, getting killed on, uh, yes. on 295 and DC. Well, we're going to do a whole bit on, uh, on road rage. Yes. Yes. We have to talk about road rage. Maybe that should have been the name of the episode. Andrew and Jerry get road rage. Well, anyway, I'm so like, I'm, I'm like a uh, Dr. Banner. You know, know. The, the, I'm always, You're angry. always angry. Yes, that's yeah. true. That's how you keep, you keep it in check. It's not, it's not bongos. And, and yeah. So, um, so I, but I want to, I want to start here. First of all, I want to talk about, I want to talk about Twitter for a second, Jerry, because I'm all Twitter's down. It's down almost 300 million. Uh, this oh, quarter. is it, is it down? Yes. It wasn't down for me a few minutes ago. So that's good to know. Did it just go back down? No, I don't mean down like it's not operating. I mean the stock market. Oh, well, that makes sense because yes. and, and one's gonna wonder what happened. All I know is that once again, my my spigot of reach has been turned off. You know, now that Elon Musk is out, now that there's the lawsuit, Elon Musk isn't in charge. My ability to reach my viewers is is not and, and you know my view on this. I, I do understand you. I know your view on this. I think it's all in your head. It, 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 okay, all I know is I tweeted out about Christy Brinkley the other day. I should pull up the tweet in a second. I tweeted out about Christy Brinkley pontificating on nuclear power. And again, normally something like that would have gotten a thousand views at least, right? 65 views when last, when last I looked at it, 65 views. So listen, again, it may very well all be in my head, but but I, I all I know is before Musk, there was X. After Musk, there was Y, and now, and then, and then after After Musk, you know, now there's now there's Z. Now we're now we're back to uh, to, to to X here. Um, but one of the things that annoys me, it, it, you, know, you just sound like Joe Biden, by the way. It was X, and then it was Y, and now actually we're back to like, YZ. Now, now more Kamala Harris, to be honest. Do you have, with, do you have, uh, going, you have cancer as well? And we're going here because we're going here. You know something? You, that's actually, you realize? A, hold on, this is a perfect segue. Because because so I tweeted out this morning i woke up this morning with the thought you know where is the the breathless media coverage 
about um, uh, about you know Joe Biden not following his own mask protocols, not following his own handshake protocols. You know, here's here's Joe Biden. Uh, uh, here's Joe Biden shaking hands and talking closely with this member of the the Israeli uh, Parliament. Uh, here is Joe Biden doing this. Here's Joe Biden doing something else. Because it, you know, remember Jerry, when Donald Trump got COVID in 2020. It was, again, another massive scandal. Oh, how many people did Donald Trump meet with? And in fact, and yet there's been nothing. And when I tweet out about this, once again, I get, I am going to pull it up, but go ahead. You wanted to make a point here. Well, I mean, my, my point is two points. Number one, every, every time Joe Biden goes somewhere, right, he goes to the Naval Academy and all of a sudden he was re recruited for football. Yeah. Uh, he, goes, <laughs> he goes to a um, manufacturing uh, firm uh, that makes uh, big 18-wheel trucks. And, he was and all a of a sudden, driver. he's a truck driver. He was a truck uh, he, he, uh, The other day, he's out talking about the environment, and he's now a cancer survivor. Yes. The guy just makes up stories. I was asked about this, and I said, look, you have, you have, this, you have this combination happening. You have, you have a man who, for his entire life, just made things up. Yeah. And now he's suffering from... Uh, from some kind of dementia episode, uh, some uh, diminished capacity. And so you combine, you, you combine the two and you get statements like, yeah, I was going to be the quarterback at Navy, uh, <laughs> but Roger Staubach beat me out. Yes. I mean, this is yeah. just insanity. That's number yeah. one. Number two, um, in terms of the, his COVID uh, diagnosis, I, again, I can't believe that the New York Times, Washington Post, and the major media are allowing his white house spokesperson to simply say oh it doesn't matter how he got it or right. where he got it right in, in in montgomery county in maryland we're still under a regime of contact tracing and when my kids were in school we had to fill out forms and if god forbid someone had covid there was uh, contact tracing going on and so the president who is the most insulated person in the world protected and his people, his doctor, his spokesperson, those around him have no idea and won't share where he got or might've picked up COVID. It's, yes. It's, yes. it's, it's, it's again, it's hierarchy. Well, they they live, they well, live by one set of rules and they force us to live. And by this another. is why I'm now sharing for those of you who are listening. I'm sharing this tweet from Greg Price uh, earlier today. When Trump tested positive for COVID, the New York Times and Washington Post dedicated entire investigative pieces to tracking Trump's every move prior to being infected. Will they do the same for Biden? And, and, um, and you know, so they, and he puts out a picture from the Washington Post tracking the White House coronavirus outbreak. Uh, and from the New York Times, sorry, that was the Washington Post. Uh, that was the New York Times. The Washington Post, seven days following Trump's coronavirus trail. Six and, reporters, six reporters on the uh, on the one side, on the New York yes, Times that's side, a good point to, that's and a good two point reporters. I mean, it's, this is eight, eight from two newspapers, eight reporters commenting. And remember, this isn't reporting. This was commentary. This yes. is editorializing. So, so I get I get this in response. And this is part of what I bring up is that, you know, I, <clears> I, I went and debated this professor from UMBC, Tom Schaller. Uh, ad nauseum uh, about the the Kennedy versus Bremerton versus decision. That's the religious freedom decision, Jerry. And and he texts tweets back at me. Uh, they should, but apples and oranges. There were no vaccines in autumn 2020 when Trump was potentially infecting, among others, Amy Coney Barrett and her family. Biden at that same time was masking. Trump was not. So the situations are far from equivalent. This is the point, right? 
in the end, yeah, Trump wasn't masking. And you know something? Yeah, people got coronavirus. Guess what? Joe Biden right. literally was promising that if you va got vaccinated, you would not spread the right. coronavirus. You would not get the coronavirus. But and yet here he is. And he was supposed to be masking and he was supposed to be social distancing and he didn't. And here he is getting missing COVID. the fire. We're missing the forest for the trees, which here. is, and I know you're going to get to this. Yes. Well, I hate when you predict what I want to say, and I don't say it, and I'm always. No, no, you're fine. That you're going to say it. I know you're going to say but it. But the fact of the matter is, is that, well, the, what I'm going to say is, is that the rest of us are still under these protocols, and the present ought to be. There's still contact tracing going on. Yes. Uh, there are still regimes in California and Maryland and, and places around the country where where there are these COVID regimes, and again. We have the vaccine. We have we have uh, we have uh, therapeutics now. Then why is it that the uh, Gavin Newsom's, the Joe Biden's, and others can break protocols, their their own protocols, but but mom and moms and dads uh, living real lives, dealing with the inflation and high energy costs and everything else, we have to go through these protocols. Right, right, right. I mean, Jerry. I mean, so the issue of of all of these national guardsmen who are not getting their pay, who are not getting a new, I don't even know if you and I had a chance to talk about this in the air, who are, who are not getting pay, uh, who are right. not able to serve. Um, they are because they didn't get vaccinated. They didn't meet the, the June 30, July 1 uh, uh, mandate out there. Right. And, and so, it, yeah, it is an issue of uh, all right for thee, but not all right for me. The other part of this is where is the admission that the mandate that the, I'm sorry that the vaccines simply don't do what Joe Biden promised them to do. Well, it's worse than that. We're we're getting reports now from again mainstream scientific journals uh, and other kinds of testing and other kinds of research where the vaccine might be dangerous at yeah. certain populations. All right, Joe, watch out what you say there, Jerry, because I don't want to get us to be. Well, I, mean, by but, I mean, but I'm only right joking. There, Go ahead and say this, what you want. I mean, just, just recently we heard news that in Germany one in 5,000 recipients of the vaccine has had very serious health impact. Yeah. Now, again, you extrapolate the numbers to the US, you know, I mean, every, you know, you do the math is 340 million. We're talking about well over 100,000 Americans could have, uh, could have very serious uh, uh, health, negative health uh, uh, consequences from taking the vaccine. Here, here's the thing. Yeah. We politicized COVID. Yes. And a as a result of that, no one trusts public health officials right. any longer. And, and this president oh. is still feeding into that public distrust. The White House spokesperson should have said yesterday, you know what? We haven't, we haven't released the contact tracing yet, but I'm going to get back to you. We're yeah. going to answer that question. Instead, she simply says, well, this isn't important. What's right. more important? No, don't, don't tell me what's important. When you've told Bill, me listen. to live my life a certain way for two and a half years, I'm sorry. I expect the elites right. to, to, to at least give a nod to but this it. Is, and, and here's the here's the reality, right, is that and because this also gets into what her her stock answer has been on the various Hunter Biden revelations. Uh, this is, this, you know, the, this is not important. We're not going to talk about this. And, and again, it's like, don't tell the press. The press knows what's important or they should know what's important. And if a per member of the press is asking a question, they're not doing it because they want to have fun. They're doing it because they think that the issue is important. Peter Ducey, 
and they're reluctantly asked. doing it with Biden. Yes, yeah, well, yes, but and of course they feel now that they that they can do it. I, well, we'll get to that in a minute, you know, sort of because you and I haven't sort of fleshed this out really. Um, I want to I want to shift gears because you know talking about this admission about the vaccines gets into a bigger issue, um, and something that I that I I thought about, and I'm, I'm going to have to write an op-ed about this. Again, talking about admissions and talking about the choices that this administration makes. You know, you you go back to this, this trip to the Middle East, especially to Saudi Arabia. The trip to Saudi Arabia to beg for more oil is is emblematic of the deeper problem, right? Which is so. Team Biden has done. To, they, team Biden, Joe Biden, did two things. Promised two things when he was president of the United States, right? One number one was that he was going to consider Saudi Arabia to be, I'm like holding up my finger, you can't see it. Number one was going to be uh, to consider Saudi Arabia a pariah state. Number two was to end the use of, of fossil fuels and to, and to transition us into green energy. Those are two things that he promised on the campaign trail. And, and he, also, he also promised to bring back decency and normalcy. Okay, and okay, my but, goodness, did he blow that up? But, but set that aside for a second. I just want to yeah, yeah. talk about this in terms of choices and truth and ownership. So, you know, we, we saw our energy sector are just go crazy. And we saw gas prices spike to massive, un, literally unprecedented levels. And Americans are seriously hurting. And Joe Biden- Side was, note, one yeah. side note on that. Yeah. So this morning I wake up to all my snarky uh, liberal friends uh, retweeting Pete Buttigieg <laughs> saying, happy Friday, uh, gas prices are coming down. And again, how- unconnected disconnected they are from the reality of the rest of us when the gas by me andrew is for you know for for regular for 87 it's four dollars and 59 cents yes i'm sorry that's a ridiculous high price and for this gas. is this is my point right this is my point that yes and the liberal snark sort of gets into this and yes joe biden had to go and beg the saudis and let's be really clear about this the Saudis aren't necessarily releasing their own gas, right? The Saudis are also getting millions of barrels of oil from Russia. So in, in essence, because gas is fungible uh, on, a, on a global marketplace, we are essentially getting Russian gas, which means we are, we are adjacently, we are, we are funding the Russian war machine. But set that aside. So Joe Biden is faced with two choices, right? He either sticks to his guns about Saudi Arabia being a pariah state, uh, and 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 or he or he goes and he said and he and he goes back on his promise in which what he has to do is sell out the American people, because the bigger issue, the more important thing for him on Maslow's hierarchy of needs and progressive needs, the, the green energy God is the is the God at the summit. He can't sell out their green energy God. So he sells out the American people and goes to kowtow to the Saudis. That's the that's the tale here. They cannot admit that they they they. They, they're going to admit that they were wrong, essentially, right, without admitting it, because they haven't gone and admitted that uh, that uh, uh, they were wrong to call Saudi Arabia a pariah. But when Joe Biden goes and fist bumps the crown prince, that pretty much says that, right, Jerry, that they that they admit that they were wrong to call him a pariah. So instead of sticking to their guns there and, and putting America first, they're going to show that we're weak and that Biden is a weak man and, and go and, and, and hold out our beggar's cup for to, to get their oil and and then they're going to take a victory lap because it's going to slightly bring down the prices sorry go ahead well that's well a, a couple of things right number one he got zero agreement so he went and he um 
he humiliated himself I, I, and humiliated I, I, I he think got, he, listen, he got no not, agreement but but okay they got no public agreement and that was probably part of the pre-negotiation right they've been pre-negotiating this trip since february and so behind the scenes the saudis probably said but then and they know the saudis know if the guy shows up that's an admission that he was wrong that's an admission that we're no longer that we're not really a pariah state despite what he said um and we're not going to make him publicly beg for his oil but we're going to give him the oil because well, I mean, you know it, well that remains to be seen right we okay. we, we we have no idea well, no, about uh, saudi out, output yes so number Go number ahead. one my point is at least on the look it's a I bad understand. deal don't get no, me wrong. Listen, see, I understand what you're saying here. You're saying that it was pre-negotiated. He goes there. They release the oil. Prices come down before the midterms. Biden wins. The problem is, is that on the face of things, he went there and begged and fist bumped the crown prince right. who ordered who ordered the uh, assassination of a Washington Post uh, reporter. Uh, and on, on its face, uh, he got zero for it. Now, whether or not they increase production or release more energy We'll see if that happens. But the fact of the matter is, as of this date, as of right now, it was he bent over uh, forwards and got nothing for it. Well, and this is and this is this is my point, is that a different president and I'm not going to say that president's name, a different president wouldn't have had to have gone and made this beggar trip. A different president would have made the choice. You know something? I was wrong. We're wrong about green energy. In fact, I want to pull up this. I want to pull up this statistic, Jerry. This is a, well, while, while you're doing nothing. that, just to remind our listeners that the fact of the matter is we have enough energy under the ground in America uh, to uh, to sustain us for the next thousand years and probably beyond that. This idea that we have to go to Saudi Arabia or anywhere exactly. else for energy is nonsense. I just saw something recently about how there is this um, uh, this this area in. Uh, in western Texas on the border of New Mexico that we know there's enough energy under the ground there that that one little tiny area could fuel America for the next 200 years. You know something, and I I will tell you something. I'm going to say this. I'm going to get into the weeds for a second. I want everybody to go and look up a a scientist named Thomas Gold. And Thomas Gold ascribed to a theory that our oil is not, in fact, a fossil fuel. I've talked about this. I've talked about this on the Jerry Rogers show. And in fact, in fact, because at one point, again, there was a global flood or there was or there was a regional flood. And because of the uh, because of the greenery and because of and and fossilized, what happens is this energy sources are under the earth. Yes. come up come up through the exactly. earth and, they and, and, up, and and get and get they, the fossilized they material up, they pick up the particulate matter exactly and, right and, and by evidence you point to the fact that we know that these hydrocarbon fuels methane etc exist on other planets that never had life on them so the fact is that that, that that they can exist elsewhere and more to the point thomas gold essentially said because these processes are continuing all the time we will not run right. out of oil so anyway ever i pulled this up on on the screen here um, uh, this this is a, a, a statement about how much fuel e- energy we used yesterday, yesterday in megawatt hours, how much electricity and where that electricity came from. And we used 116,255 megawatt hours yesterday. And, and, and you know, coal uh, accounted for just under half of that. Coal and natural gas uh, accounted for uh, about two thirds of it. And, and you go through the, the list here and, and 
here's here's again my my point in all of this, and it gets to what Jerry was saying. Um, the 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 a the president should have just admitted we're we're it, this is wrong. What we're doing is wrong. We recognize that what we're doing is harming people. We can be energy independent and energy dominant, but the fact is that in the end, they are so beholden to this green energy god that they are willing to to sell us out for it. And we can, we can, it, it, this is not, this is not fiction. It is not <clears throat> fantasy. We have the capacity. Oh, and then I, I, I want to get into this other part of it, Jerry, which is if you are, you know, I don't want to take away from the point. We'll get to the Christy Brinkley issue later on. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I, I, I'm just, again, this is, th this is the biggest hoax uh, uh, in our nation's history. This idea that climate change, look, NASA, okay, now I NASA, NASA about two weeks ago uh, released a study uh, that that, again, I, I tweeted out. I talked about it on the Jerry Rogers show uh, about how the spikes in heat that we're experiencing. It's it's not climate change. It's not warming. It's not because of air pollution. It's because of the rotation of the Earth and its orbit and yeah. sun activity. What's happening in terms of, and again, what's happening in terms of, you know, Europe going through this, uh, this, uh, uh, this um, uh, heat spell, it's natural, it's called weather, and more scientists need to speak up, but, but more importantly, the left pushes climate change because they want to control Every People. other aspect of the economy. Yes, that's exactly right. That's that's yeah. the bottom line. And, and it, it, it's listen. I can go down the road. I urge you all. If you're going to also look up Thomas Gold. Look up uh, a Russian scientist named Milankovitch. M I L A N K O V I T C H. And Milankovitch, a century ago, real quick, Jerry. The Earth's orbit is not circular. Earth orbits in an ellipse around the sun. Right. And that ellipse pushes us further away from the sun or closer to the sun, you know, over the course of many, many thousands of years. Also, our orbital tilt, this is great that I can do this on video instead of just the radio, Jerry, our orbital tilt changes. So the aspect of how much we face the sun changes over time. And it goes in cycles, it's like a spinning top. You ever watch a, a spinning top, the wobble changes. Right, and, and solar so, activity changes over time. That's right. So if the sun burns more brightly and you are closer to the sun and the wobble oh. changes your aspect, the earth is hotter. And if you are further away from the sun and, and the earth and the sun is, is burning less brightly, then, then you, the earth is cooler and you get, you, you get cooler climatic cycles. But again, you know, the, the human, the human portion of climate change is very tiny. And yet we want to see this massive overshaping of the economy. And the reason is because that they want, it's all about control and, and right. real quick to, to sort of point this out. Cause I did, I did, I did point this out yesterday um or, or the other day so one of the things i've said on the air over the last couple of days is if you are someone who is uh talking about climate and you are you are concerned if you think that climate is an existential crisis and eh, you know so i won't go into this right now if you think that climate is an existential crisis and you are not pushing for uh, nuclear power increased nuclear power then you are not serious about climate being an existential crisis and so because we know that nuclear power can be done safely, it can generate prodigious amounts of power, it doesn't release CO2 when you when you create the energy, Yeah, you have to, you know, burn, you know, fossil fuels to build the nuclear power plants. 
Um, but over time, it doesn't. And so for folks who are talking about green energy without nuclear, that's those are folks who are dealing with this as a political issue, not an existential issue. I'm sorry, Jerry, go ahead. Well, and again, I, I, I it's fantasy. There is no green energy hope. We are not there. We don't have the capacity to capture solar energy in, in, in a way that will uh, that will um, power our uh, our businesses and our homes and the rest of it. We don't have the capacity to capture wind. We don't. The technology is not there. That's why it bothers me so much when uh, Pete Buttigieg, you know, Secretary of Transportation, yes. uh, gets on all these programs and talks about how the high gas prices are good because people will buy electric cars. Right. But the fact of the matter is electric cars depend upon fossil fuels. Right. And again, our old friend, Sam Kasman, uh, general counsel at the Competitive Enterprise Institute, would do these um, short films or snippets. And he did, he did one once, Andrew, where he, they asked people on, 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 the, on the street, you know, uh, you know what's better, uh, burning, you know, burning uh, coal or, or using electricity? And everyone said, well, of course, electricity. Not making the connection whatsoever Absolutely. that electricity comes from burning coal. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, uh, a variation on the old question, which way is more a pound of feathers or a pound of bricks? Yes, you know, it, it's it's uh, you know it's but, but say, this is what I'm sharing right now. So so this this came on over the weekend. Um, uh, this is in the New York Times, or I should say, Christy Brinkley uh, uh, putting this out on social media. Uh, Christy Brinkley, remember uh, uh, supermodel Christy Brinkley, Jerry? You might know her as uptown that great, uptown girl. You might know her as that great uh, that great uh, nuclear energy expert and 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 uh, world renowned physicist. Now no, wait, wait 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 before you go on though. It's not to say you don't have to be an expert in a field to have an informed, right? An informed I, okay. uh, that, that uh, is, opinion. Okay, yeah, that is true, and you're taking because you and I, I'm not a climate, I'm, I'm not a climate scientist. No, scientist, but we, are, but we are at least well informed and policy people. Christy yes, Brinkley right. is a, is an actress and supermodel who's known for either being on the cover of the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue or being Gail Gergich on Parks and Recreation on NBC or Vacation. Uh, or vacation, yes, she's known for that, or being Billy Joel's wife and the yep. girl in the uptown. uptown girl. That's right, yes. yes, that's right. But the point is that the New York Times is publishing a letter to the editor from her, nuclear energy is not worth the risks, which, by the way, the nuclear power plant she's concerned about is just outside of Malibu, and I'm convinced that either she has property there or she has friends who have property there, which is a whole NIMBY issue. Right. But why... The New York Times, the gray lady, is lending credence by pushing her, her letter to the editor in this. Uh, it, it, it just astounds me uh, that, we're, that we're here and, and th- th- this, is, this is what passes for journalism. Well, because, Andrew, you know this and I know this. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, is that um, they want to make it so it's too expensive for us to heat our homes in the winter, cool our homes in the summer. Uh, they want to make it more expensive for us to travel outside of a certain radius. This is why they want us to live in metropolitan areas with public transportation, uh, because they don't want us to travel. Look, look, historical perspective here. They will travel regardless. They will have the exactly, wealth yes. to do what they want, regardless of the high prices. They, can, they will be able to. This is like Downton Abbey. They, yeah. they, they will have their, their estates regardless of the cost, and we will live as serfs. Uh, but the bottom line is, is that they 
this is about control and i lost my train of thought which no no no, no, no. you get but, you, we're talking about nuclear power it's about control it's about it's about getting families to move into cities it's about you know into high-rise apartments getting on the government yeah, yeah, yeah and, and this is and this is the push for look smaller colleague, families a former colleague of yours a colleague of mine at wbal news uh, uh tweeted out yesterday day before yesterday uh, how uh in maryland governor uh, P- paris paris glendening Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, yes, that's right. I remember his last name. Paris Glendening uh, had this transit system, this subway system, a uh, train system for Baltimore. And she said, what a wonderful thing this could have been. No, I don't agree. I don't, I don't think you should take money from me to build a public transit system that I'll never use. Well, I'm, I'd rather have that they'll, that they'll never use. Well, yes, they'll, they'll never use. You know, I mean, let's, let's be really clear about this, right? Besides the fact that it costs five times as much per mile of rail than it does. And that's just service rail. I don't know about subway rail and how much more expensive that is, right? You know, it reminds me, uh, Jerry, of a problem that the Institute for Justice dealt with years ago, which was, you know, New York, the New York had, New York was able to build the infrastructure, the bare bones infrastructure of their subway system at a time when labor was cheap and it was easy to do. And they really didn't give a crap about safety standards. it was a bunch of Irish guys. Yeah, it's digging, a bunch of digging Irish holes. guys who would work cheap digging holes under the city. Now right. you can't do it because of unions and those fiddly little safety rules. The point is, New York City has the greatest subway system in the world. And I, I, I say this: yes. I've been on the metro. I've never been on New York on, City has very, the greatest enough, subway on, system in the world. I was period. on. I've, I've been on the Russian metro. Um, the Moscow metro. Never been on the London tube or the Paris metro. Whatever. The point is. Even the New York City subway system doesn't get everywhere where you need to go and you have more people riding buses because there's a culture there, but then the buses don't get everywhere. And so people were talking about using these things called jitneys, where a a, a private guy in a van would drive into these neighborhoods and take people, he would go the last mile for these transportation systems, right? It would be cheaper, right? (laughs) On balance, given what we know about ridership for the the for Baltimore to get rid of their bike lanes and build more roads and build more road capacity and get people cars or, or get people vouchers for using Uber and, and get them out and, and doing these things. But again, it's because they, they want, now some people want the shiny object, right? There was this, there has been this great uh, love affair uh, in some urban centers and among suburban planners with, with light rail. You know, Baltimore has yeah. a light rail system. Uh, I've, I've seen it and I've seen it empty. That no it, one uses. That no one uses. You know, that literally no one uses. And the thing is, too, is all of these elites who yes. want, again, your money to pay, they don't take these systems. That's right. Of course you not. Know, I, I, again, I, 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 you know, I, you know, he, back to I, I found my train of thought. Good. And again, back to Sam Kasman. No pun intended. And uh, and 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 uh, and what and what he said when he was at CEI, still a CEI. Jerry found his light rail of thought. So so <laughs> in, in Great Britain. Uh, People were horrified. The, 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 the aristocracy was horrified at the idea of the railroad. Yes. Because it would allow the riffraff. It would allow the common folk to come to the country. They were horrified yes. at yes, it. Yes, of course. And yeah. we're living through this again where, where the elites in this country, the American aristocracy, so to speak, the Joe Bidens and the, and the uh, Senator Kerry's and the, and the Pete Buttigieg's and all the rest of them, they are horrified that we want to get in our car 
and take our family to the beach. They're horrified that we want to get in our car and drive and visit Grammy and grandpa. And again, you don't believe me. Read their own words. Yes. Remember when AOC and, oh, and Senator Markey from Massachusetts made the mistake of releasing uh, summaries of the Green New Deal? Yeah. So the Green New Deal was this, this thing in theory, and then they released it. Yes. And, and we read it. Yes. Do you know that in the Green New Deal, the one currently that all you Democrats support, there is an, uh, there's an office at the FAA where you would have to uh, get permission uh, through a social crediting system. If you lived in New York and you want to visit Disney World or Disneyland, you would have to apply for a permit. Wow. And then that permit would be weighed against your, uh, your carbon footprint. Sure. This is the Green New Deal. They don't want you to travel outside a certain radius. They don't want you to try. And think about that. Think about that in terms of economic freedom. Think about living, uh, you're living in Baltimore. You live in West Baltimore and you are a, uh, someone who wants out and you've studied hard, even though your schools are failing and yes. you get into a college on a scholarship, even though you have no money and no parents uh, and you go, go, go through school. And you become you, you find that you are you are you have a knack for knowledge and science and then you get a job uh, in, in the Boston suburbs or in the or in or in the Chicago suburbs or wherever. And you're told you can't work there because it's too, it's it's too far out of your out, out, right. out of your your, your home zone. area. This your is zone. like this is like the Hunger Games. Yeah, it's, it's, we're, we're, go, we're all going to be we're all going to we're all going to be assigned zones and to leave the zone we will need permission from the government to leave let's let's remember i mean and we've talked about this before one of the one of the great equalizers in american society frankly global society one of the great liberating factors in global society was the ability of, of individual americans to purchase automobiles mobility automobiles that they could they what was that mobility is one mobility, of the greatest yes. Uh, uh, mechanisms but, for freedom. But, but also, Jerry, I mean, and we've talked about this particular aspect of it. If it hadn't been for the private ownership of automobiles, the civil yes. rights movement down in the yes. South would never have worked, right? You can't, right. Have a, you can't have a bus boycott if you don't have an alternative to the buses. Exactly right. And, 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 and again, it should tell, again, hardworking immigrants and, and, uh, and, and moderate Democrats that the party they're aligned to literally wants to keep them in the ghetto right yes i mean that, that that's not hyperbole that's this is the truth well and if you think about it right not that we spend a lot of time talking about baltimore on this show that's that's why it's always laughable when ryan dorsey the city councilman in baltimore is talking about more bike lanes let's shut down the streets yeah. and build more bike lanes because all i know is when i'm when i'm coming out of my you know my my let's let's say even just my regular eight hour Joe job somewhere, you know, I've been, I've been slinging, but not listen, not there's anything wrong with slinging burgers or working on a factory line or doing whatever, but it is hard work, right? It is hard work. I come out of cleaning an office building at three in the morning and Ryan Dorsey, get on your bike, get, get on my bike and, and pedal home, right? That, or, yeah, or, or you know, wait, you know, or wait, or I'm sorry, or wait on some unsafe street somewhere at a bus corner where some squeegee guy is going to come over and, and try to shake me down. Or, or again, you know, I, I, I drive uh, uh, through Baltimore on a weekly basis. And I told this to Erica, the beautiful Erica, the wife, um, that I've uh, every time there is something outrageous that I witness. Yeah. Some, some, some crazed person at a bus stop. Uh, 
some uh, a, a squeegee uh, 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 panhandlers surrounding cars and hitting cars. Um, uh, uh, folks wilding along the inner harbor. My point is, is that is that they want us to be on public transportation or on bikes, even as they refuse to enforce the law to make the streets and the public transit systems safer. But by the way, I want to I want to I want to digress for a moment, Jerry, because you raised the issue of the squeegee panhandlers. And I don't know if you saw because you and I we, we went through, by the way, as we're catching up here, we went through the, the longest I haven't talked to Jerry was like it was over, you know, after I got back from or while I was in Vegas. And after I got back, I didn't talk to Jerry for like five days. And and I and I texted Jerry because there is this new verbiage that's been put out by folks at YPR and other stations, the Baltimore NPR station. Uh, that they're no longer calling squeegee guys squeegee guys. They're now calling them squeegee workers. And this sparked a big discussion at uh, around the dinner table one night that I was in Vegas for Freedom Fest. By the way, that, yes, that is a humble brag. Uh, uh, Jerry, are you aware that I was at Freedom Fest in Vegas? Oh, yeah, I was. Yeah, I there, there you go. So, so someone said, well, why don't you refer to them as squeegeeks? Like Latinx, yes, you know, yes, yeah, that should be the preferred. Just call them squeegees. What we did, what we did on the Jerry Rogers show, and that's by, by the way, that's not S Q U E E E J E C T X, which I uh, your J E C T X. No, it's squeegee X. Yeah, squeegee X. But uh, it does sound like squeegee X, like it rhymes with rejects. What we did was because like you, you you told me this. I I, I took a I took a, my own turn at it, and I, I I I referred. I did a whole show called Squeegee Nation. Yes, I and, like and, that. And, and and I said this. I said in in Baltimore City, oh. Squeegee Nation uh, is the most powerful interest group in the city, and therefore the state more powerful than teacher unions. Remember, yeah. uh, the mayor of Baltimore has been very clear that he will not clear the corners. He's been he's made it very clear that these young people are there to put food on the table. Yes, uh, uh, and all the rest. He refuses to enforce the law. And again, we don't have to belabor this, but here's the bottom line: is this going to your road rage um, uh, yeah, uh, well, that discussion? The fact is, is that you're at a street light, and it could be any number of traffic right. lights in Baltimore City, and you're with your daughter. And you are surrounded by six, seven, 10, 12 of these squeegee workers. Right. And you don't have, I don't know about you. I don't even carry cash with me any longer. That's right. And so I have no cash. I'm like, no, no, thank you. And they start to berate you. They start to threaten to do horrible acts yeah. to your daughter. They take their squeegee uh, uh, weapons and they hit your taillights or they hit your right. windshield. What am I supposed to do? This is not. See, I'm, like, supposed, this I'm, is, I'm supposed. I'm supposed. I'm supposed to drive through. It is essentially. And then, and then all the damage to my car. Like the modern version of highway robbery, right? Which is, you know, they it, show up and and you have. It's highway robbery. Yeah, highwomen, the squeegee highwomen, um, which makes them sound much much more romantic than it is because it, it's funny because this is not your. This is not. I, I, you know, I would say your parents, but we are our parents here. This is not our childhood squeegee people. Right. I remember uh, distinctly driving New with York. a friend of mine out of Manhattan. Right. And mm -hmm. I, I want you to picture this. You come up Madison Avenue. And Jerry, do you remember the, the old, the, it's still there, the Madison Avenue Bridge? It's just sure. south of Yankee Stadium. So you come yeah. off the Madison Avenue Bridge and you hang the left turn to get on the Major Deegan and go past the stadium. And there were always yeah. squeegee guys there. And a buddy of mine had a can of change and he was driving and he goes, okay, get me out some change. I'm like, no. Tell them no. Tell them you don't want to no, know. I don't want to do that. I don't want a confrontation. Now, today, right, it would have been, Andrew, give me the change. I, I don't want my car to get beaten up. At the time, no, you didn't really have to worry about that. All you had to worry about was a guy squirting 
urine on your car and then using a newspaper to to wipe right. it off. That's what it was, by the way, back in the day. It was yes. they used newspapers. Yeah. Newspaper but here's the thing. And pee. The number one sign that New York City had lost uh, had lost the battle in terms of crime and chaos and lawlessness was the squeegee menace. Yes. And 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 and, and thus the 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 number one sign that New York was making its comeback, the great New York Renaissance, urban Renaissance, was when the squeegee menace was gone. And again, I don't understand big city mayors who are so myopic, so dogmatic that they can't understand how unfair, uh, how unjust it is to put hardworking citizens in a situation where they feel terrified on a daily basis. Yeah, I, and, and, and that's exactly it. it. Again, it is all about all about control. By the way, folks, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pull up here. There's a really great speaking about New York. We'll get, we'll get to it in a second. I'll, I'll pull it up. In a but you, you and I, Andrew, talked yeah. about also the in, in, in cities like Baltimore, not just Baltimore, but cities like Baltimore, the uh, the the mayor and council and the government depends upon these uh, speed cameras and these red light cameras. Yes. Uh, and the fact of the matter is, if you've driven through a city like Baltimore, you know that no one obeys the traffic laws. Yes. Except for me. I mean, I'm the only idiot because I don't want to get a ticket. But what happens when you're driving down a single lane uh, road in Baltimore and there's some guys a, on your butt and there's a 35, mile, a 35 or 30 mile per hour um, uh, uh, speed camera and you're going the limit. And this guy's behind you getting irate because he, and he doesn't care. He the car's not insured. Maybe he stole the car. And the thing is, is that you have law. You, you're putting law abiding citizens in jeopardy by following the law, by stopping at a red light instead of going through it. You put yourself at risk with the squeegee menace. Uh, when you're driving down a street with the speed cameras or red light cameras and you're following the law, you put yourself in in, in jeopardy because there are others who don't yeah. care about the law who are trying to get by you. I was at I was at a stoplight in Baltimore recently, and this happens all the time. And I was at I was at the stoplight, parked cars, uh, and then a and then a, a green a green section here one lane yeah and there's a guy behind me going bonkers cursing me out giving me the finger this is at uh 10 30 in the morning on a sunday sure yeah and I, I i have a choice right stay there go through the red light uh, or or you know if i stay there he might come out of the car so i'm literally in my car looking around what do i have in case this guy comes sure. at me absolutely right and know what this guy did he he turned onto the sidewalk. He found a spot where, you know, I guess he squeezed through some parked cars, went on the sidewalk, stopped to give me the finger again, and then made and made a right-hand so, yeah, turn. And, and the reason why Jerry brings this up, and, and, and uh, this happens gonna, every week. Yeah. Uh, so for me, it's, I was driving, driving into the district for the soccer game, um, uh, the DC United versus Bayern. Um, because my wife is a huge. Everyone knows Bayern what Bayern. 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 Bayern, Bayern. Bayern is is Bayern. a Bayern. Yeah, yeah. Bayern. Bayern München or Bayern Munich is the is the 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 the. I've Munich. been to Munich, by the way. It's a beautiful yeah. city. It's the Munich. It's the Munich Football Club, and they are they are usually at the tops of the German soccer league, the Bundesliga, and their players are among the best in the world, if not the best in the world. And my wife is a huge fan of this football club. So we, for her birthday, we got tickets to the Bayern game um, and, and we're going in and, you know, it's a Wednesday. Uh, we have to get there at 
you know, the game kickoff or whatever it is, uh, was at seven 30. So you want to get there with plenty of time to go in and, and, and have fun. Um, and so we're driving up and we came in because we're coming in from Virginia. We came up 295, which is a great road. Yeah. Uh, it used to be part of the way I came into the district before. It's a road that connects the DC beltway in the South with Route 50 and it runs in the Baltimore Washington Parkway. So it's actually yeah, the yeah. road that goes all the way North uh, to Baltimore from there. Right. Uh, and it is notorious again for speed cameras, right? I've, I have been dinged because you're either, you're either speeding off of the beltway at 70 plus miles an hour and getting on this road, or you are accelerating to 70 plus miles an hour to get on it. So either way, they are known to have not just one, but several speed cameras along this route. So I am doing the speed limit because as Jerry points out, these are not cheap speed cameras. If no. you get dinged, sorry, go ahead. Uh, look, my my daughter, Bridget, uh, was in D.C., and there's a, a, there's a double light where, yeah. where you go through a light, and then there's an immediate other light as you make a left. Sure. And she went through the green light, and as she was going through the second light, it turned red, and she got a $140 ticket. Yeah, there you go. And, 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 and there are a couple of these places where, they, where D.C. has mid-block red lights, which is crazy yeah. like you go up 18th street to and at l there's a there's a mid-block red light camera there so the point is that that we're going and i am you know moving with traffic i am driving next to somebody i'm not going to speed up and pass them because again i don't want to get a ticket and some guy comes up right behind me and and he's right on my bumper as jerry had said i could sit on the hood of his car and put my feet on the bumper of my car. And it would have <laughs> yeah. been, it, it was that close. So I tap my brake a little, give him a little brake check to get him to back off. Um, this makes him angry. And I'm, I'm not proud that I probably exacerbated the situation, but then he comes up again on my bumper. So, but what are I, you supposed to do? I, I'm well, sorry. That's, that's exactly what, it. What I mean, else? I mean, the give question. the guy a warning. He's right yeah, up. Yeah, God yes. forbid. What have you sneezed yes. and accidentally uh, hit the brake or what if you saw something in the road and had to right, and had to go and I couldn't move anywhere because I had a car next to me so finally I do get around I decided to get around the car that's 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 uh in, in that's next to me this guy comes in and swerves right in you know does that quick lane change so that he can make sure he gets right in front of me and not only does he hit his brake he slows down to almost a complete stop again on a highway where we're doing 50 miles an hour and he's doing more. And then he speeds up again and he does it again because what he wanted to do was he wanted somebody to plow into my rear right. and he would speed off. That's what he wanted. And, and we wound up actually calling it in, but you know, it's, it's one of those situations where again, yeah, but calling it in is useless you know, because the police, whole, police don't even enforce low level street crime. Uh, uh, standards any longer. Let me be really uh, clear. Uh, yeah. It is not a useless thing to call in a reckless driver on a major interstate to get the state police involved because invariably they will have cars stationed and they will be on the lookout. And I've seen people I have called in about get pulled over now again, but let me, let me again, because I'm, I'm, I'm cynical uh, this morning. And that is uh, we know that in the Maryland Baltimore area, you have politicians who are telling state police don't make traffic stops. Yes. They're literally saying don't make the traffic stop uh, because uh, it puts a, you know, because of the racial issues oh. and all the rest of it. But I will tell you, if you drive anywhere near the bridges and tunnels in Maryland, those MDTA police, those Maryland Transportation Authority police, they will, they will give you 
they will give you a ticket if you're going because that they make huge amounts. But of there, money. there is this big push, especially in, in in Annapolis. Uh, uh, there's legislation uh, uh, to make it more difficult for police to pull over cars. So here's the irony with that wow. too. It, it just Listen, shows you. I'm the, move, That's it. I'm moving back to Maryland, Jerry. But the I can start speaking the, again. The, the 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 trickle down civics here right yeah so you may so you put in different criteria for state police or police to pull over um right. pull over cars and again they don't want you pulling over someone uh, for a uh for a expired tag or, or for these type of reasons right right uh just let the car go and this is because there have been incidents where you pull over a car for expired tag turns out they have a warrant uh, the the person pulls a gun or a weapon, he gets shot, and then all of, all of a sudden, it's a cop kills sure. a, a, a a a a black youth or a black oh, male, right? The story is a cop pulls over, uh, uh, or cop shoots someone over an expired tag. Right, exactly yeah. right. And so there's a big push now to 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 end this. Yeah. But here's the problem: at the same time, cities like Chicago and Baltimore uh, have guns, illegal guns, being uh, being shipped into the into the cities. Sure. How do they get there? What's, what's the number one drug gun running uh, highway in America? It's 95. It's I-95, yeah. Right. And so you have politicians who are lamenting the gun violence and at the same time saying, well, you can't pull over cars. And that's how you get which, which, by, illegal by the guns way, off the I gotta street. Tell you something. I got to tell you something. If I'm a gun runner or I'm a drug smuggler from Florida driving up to New York, I mean, I know it's a long drive. I've driven that drive many, many times. I know right. it's a long drive. And I know I-95 is two lanes in either direction through most Southern states, as you do, Jerry, because you right. go down to South Carolina just about every year. Um, I would make it a point if I've got massive amounts of illegal stuff in my car to make sure that I have a car, right? It's like Mr. Wolf, like Winston Wolf. Like uh, you make sure the taillight's not out. Nobody has a fire tag. Yes, yeah, but drive the, the speed but, limit. But, but here's the thing. We're making it easier. Yes. Right? Oh, post, post Ferguson, Post George Floyd, yeah. we're making it easier uh, for these cartels and for these uh, uh, these gangs and these criminal uh, enterprises uh, to do to do their job. And then and then the politician will get up. Just uh, two days ago, Joe Biden tweeted out uh, how uh, the, uh, these poor victims were uh, 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 they they were the victims of gun violence. <laughs> no, they're the victims of criminals. Yes. I, again, it's it's almost as if there's the it just drives me this, the okay, insanity the insanity of all of this Stop being you want to get you want to get rid of illegal guns but you take away the tools in the police officer's tool belt to get rid of guns yeah you, uh observe question stop right frisk yeah. we've taken yeah. that out of the tool belt Absolutely. how do you think we get illegal guns off the street uh uh, uh low-level crimes in new york right. city uh, you know when you uh, jumping the turnstile in the subways was everyone did it and yes. then Bratton came in and said no more. And you know what happened? They took thousands and thousands of guns off the street right. Right. because they, they were enforcing low-level crimes. And, and you have big cities now like Chicago. In Chicago, you're not allowed to chase down a culprit. It's illegal in Chicago. It's illegal in Chicago to chase after a, uh, a suspect. Amazing to me. Right. And, and we saw what happened with Chesa Boudin and uh, getting, you know, at least San Francisco had finally had enough there. What I love is this story from earlier this week. So you had Eric Adams during the campaign, the mayor of New York City, uh, talking about immigrants and illegal immigrants and how New York City <laughs> loves them. And earlier this week, Mayor Adams saying much in the same way that Muriel Bowser, the mayor right. of D.C., said, 
oh, wait a minute here. You can't come and, and dump illegal immigrants in our city. It's a huge problem for us. Um, and, and that's, again, why these things matter and why this kind of creativity matters. And, and, and Eric Adams is hubris, right? He's yes. like the governor of Arizona, the governor of Texas. You're, you're cowards for saying, well, you're the one who wants a sanctuary city. Yes. So we're exactly. going to send them to you. Yes. Now, you know, again, this is it. Force a progressive to live by their own rules. And they quickly want to opt out. Yes, that's exactly right. And, and, and it gets into the thesis, as Jerry put out there. It Hierarchy. only works for them uh, so long as they can be above the, the, the yeah. requirements, the mandates uh, of, of society. Um, you know, I, I had missed this. And I want to come back to this, Jerry, because uh, you raised it. I missed the, the, the fact that we knew that this was going to happen, that, that uh, folks like AOC were going to start to call for a Chinese style social crediting system. Um, but that's, that should be an alarm for everybody. Uh, and I, I, we, you and I, I think need to write something uh, about, about that issue. She's uh, she's of course uh, the poor thing was arrested, uh, put into wonder woman arrested. type, uh, wonder woman type handcuffs. Apparently yes. they're invisible. Yes. Uh, again, how, how look AOC um, laments about the, uh, uh, why are you complaining, Brett Kavanaugh, that you can't have dinner at a Morton's? Oh, poor you. Uh, protesting is supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. Then she's coming up the stairs of the U.S. Capitol. And a uh, now, mind you, I don't agree with his humor, but there was a conservative uh, uh, comedian uh, protesting, making fun yes. of her, uh, making comments about her, 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 her rear end and this sort of thing, which I wouldn't do. But yeah. regardless, it was it was catcalling. It was it was beneath uh, beneath uh, the words of a gentleman. But he's a he's a comedian. And do you know she went bonkers oh, because yeah. the uh, police wouldn't arrest him. And again, by by her own standard, right? She felt uncomfortable. Yeah. But by her own standard, that's the purpose of free speech and protesting. Right. But when it's done to her, she wants this person arrested. And then she came out later and did this whole this whole speech against the Capitol Police and how they let people in on January 6th. I think AOC, by the way, should be a witness uh, to the January 6th committee because sure. apparently she has evidence that the police let everybody in. That, that's right. And by the way, uh, I, for those of you who are listening instead of watching, I've put up a GIF of, of it could be AOC lifting her fist in salute. It's really Judd Nelson <laughs> uh, from, from the Breakfast Cub uh, lifting his fist in, in, uh, in salute at the end of the movie. Um, you know, let's actually turn our attention there for a minute, Jerry, because there's something that obviously there's a lot that that bothered me about about last night's hearing. Uh, it's still not over this January 6th hearing. And by the way, it's not going to be over until just before the midterms. The last January 6th hearing, if it's not as soon as early voting begins, it will be sometime while early voting is taking place, if not right before. Yeah, and and here's the election. And again, I'll, I'll bottom line this. They, they, we know from the committee members that they will not bring in witnesses to, to uh, corroborate the testimony right. of previous witnesses. Right. Uh, yes. We know that they are selective, not only selective in calling the witnesses, but selective in terms of releasing 
uh, uh, videotaped uh, uh, testimony. Yeah, they're not. They're not uh, releasing we, any of the raw testimony. It's all. It's all right. redacted and edited. We yeah. know. We know also that they've raised these 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 crazy charges of congressmen giving reconnaissance tours. Right. Only only for it to be in the ether now. We, what right. happened to that? Uh, there was this list of congressmen who wanted pardons, pre-pardons, right, right, from the president. But again, that was dropped, and we don't haven't yeah. heard anything about that. Uh, and then now we, you know, last last not last night, but last time, uh, they accused all these members of Congress and the vice president yes. of colluding and plotting in December for the overthrow of the government. Of course, Andy Harris, congressman from uh, Maryland, was was named there. And I had uh, Andy Harris, Congressman Harris, We never on my had a program. chance to talk about that, you and me. Go ahead. Yeah, and, and but, the, but the thing is, is that this is, look, I know hearings are not trials. I get that. But the fact of the matter is, this is the most un-American uh, display of a show trial of a show hearing in, in in our nation's history let me this is this is not about fact finding this no. is about like last night josh holly like yes. who cares so he gave a fist to the protesters because yes. he he agreed with their with their uh, reason for protesting yes and then he was told to evacuate and so he kind of scoots out and all of a sudden now he's he's a like th that, that was, well, okay. There's nothing so substantive I wanna, I wanna, there. I want to focus. I want to focus on something from last night. And I want to talk about why, why is it so important that they, they, they are trying to pin Donald Trump as an insurrectionist on Donald Trump. Why are they, why are they trying to pin him as an insurrectionist, right? Setting aside what the legal definition of insurrectionist might be. They are going to, if Donald Trump runs and it's looking increasingly likely that he is going to run what they want to do is is use the 14th amendment the 14th amendment says that if you engaged in an insurrection against the united states you can't hold office you can't run for president essentially um, but yet jamie but jamie, jamie raskin and uh is still a member of congress but time out for a second i mean set, set that aside for a minute because i want to get into two there are two aspects of this i want to i want to i want to sure. tie together this is why they're doing this so just so you understand it's because of the 14th amendment and what it says if they can tar donald trump with the brush of being an insurrectionist and succeed in getting him knocked off the ballot, which they won't do, but then what they want to do is they want to get him knocked off the ballot in at least one state. Um, then they will have succeeded in, 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 in what they're doing here, uh, which by the way is short-sighted because um, uh, they, they think that Donald, I guess they're, they're at least admitting that Donald Trump is the strongest candidate to run against Biden or any one of the other midgets that's, that's going to be running. I'm sorry, little people that's going to be running. But here's the thing about last night that I, that I came back to this morning, Jerry, which is, they're claiming, and correct me if I'm wrong, they are claiming that Donald Trump is responsible. He led this insurrection, right? That's what they're saying? Yeah. He's the leader of this insurrection. He is he the reason yeah. for it. Yeah. So tell me, Jerry, um, what kind of a leader, as the insurrection is happening, if he is in fact leading this insurrection, uh, what kind of leader is actually leading the insurrection when he doesn't make a single phone call for three plus hours while the insurrection is going on. Like that was the most revelatory fact that was released last night is that they said, okay, Donald Trump was off on his own. He didn't have anybody with him and he didn't make a single phone call for three hours while this was going on. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm leading an insurrection, Jerry, I'm on the phone with people. I'm saying, okay, go here, go there. You know, I'm, I'm out there. I, I, you know, I'm actually, I don't know, leading the insurrection, right? Unless they're saying that. Uh, yeah, Donald but of course, listen, yeah. but of course, who was president January 6, 2000? Donald Trump. 2020. 
yeah. Donald Trump. Yes. Here's the thing. He was leading an insurrection against who? Because the Congress. No, no, Jerry, you're if, missing my. I'm not admitting. Point. The point is, the point is, is that their entire house of cards falls apart because well, obviously it falls apart because he's leading an insurrection against himself. But even if he is, let's assume for a moment that it isn't an insurrection. Let's assume for a moment that he, Donald Trump is actively trying to prevent the, the peaceful transfer of power. He doesn't talk to anybody like 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 if he's if if he coordinated this and caused this to happen. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, again, we've talked about this before, and that is for insurrection to uh, to go forward, a coup insurrection. You need military support, political support. You you need public uh, public uh, public information. You need the media and none of that. He did not have. There was no conspiracy. There was no army. There was no insurrection. Uh, this again, and even even the testimony. If if you could put aside funny. your your prejudices, this is just about Donald Trump being Donald Trump. You know, it's it's funny because it, it, the the um, the 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 committee missed a big point here. Right. If I'm really weaving a conspiracy theory, um, and I am, and I'm really trying, and I and I want to prove that Donald Trump was really trying to prevent the peaceful transfer of power, I would be shouting to the high heavens that Donald Trump had called for the National Guard to be in D.C. on January sixth. You know that 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 he was trying to get the military invested in this process. Um, but instead they are ignoring it because it points to the fact that, you know, because Donald Trump says that he wants there to make sure that things are peaceful on that day. You know, um, the one thing that we don't know, and I, I, you know, I fear we'll never know. There's so many issues that we never, we, we never find the answers to because it would put progressives in a bad spot, but we, we don't know, like what was Nancy Pelosi's role in all of this? Yeah. You know, I, I, I can't help. I can't help but think that they almost like a rope a dope. Yeah. This is kind of like Muhammad Ali uh, against George Foreman, where where you just you 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 bob, you weave, you go against the ropes, you tire at your opponent, and all of a sudden you you knock them out. I think in a sense they rope a doped Trump here. Yeah. They wanted what happened is exactly what they wanted to happen. Yes, I agree with and, that wholeheartedly. And, and, I, and I do, I wonder, like, why we never heard uh, from, the, um, uh, from the head of the Capitol Police. Right. He, he was never interviewed. But, but uh, Nancy Pelosi never interviewed. And, 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 and again, on a, this. But also, the, Jerry, if I'm yeah. holding primetime hearings, I'm going to bring up the organizers of, of the, this event, uh, several of which you and I know. You know, put them in the uncomfortable hot seat instead of these, you know, essentially these idiots. Um, you know, this this woman last night who was the uh, uh, who is now the, um, the the communications person for the, re- the Republican staff on the Green Energy Committee or whatever the hell it is that, that she does. Right. And even the National Security Advisor, who I'm not going to say is an idiot, but or National Security, whatever he is. Um, but again, you know, these people that nobody knows and nobody cares about, um, you know, if you're going to have it done in prime time, 
you know, you bring out your star witnesses, your hostile witnesses, right? Let's let's put Amy Kramer on the stand. Not, not that I want to put Amy Kramer. Amy Kramer is a friend, but you know, you know, you want to you want to see how defiant uh, these opposition people see, were. Sorry, go ahead. I have a different take on this than you. Yeah. Um, you can't keep Donald Trump off any ballots unless he is charged and convicted. Oh, no, no. They're, I'm not saying that they're going to be able to do it, Jerry. I'm saying right. they're going to be able Fine. to try. And, 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 if, and if they try in every state, there is a, you know, a, 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 a 2% chance that they're going to be victorious somewhere. Right. Yeah. What I, what I think, I think this is more sinister. I think, frankly, this has nothing to do with Donald Trump in yeah. a sense. Donald Trump was always a proxy uh, for the kind of hard hat working class American. Yeah. And I think what this is about is about future voter suppression. I think this is about um, uh, future voter uh, intimidation and also fraud. Yeah. I think they're setting it up now uh, that anyone who would dare say there's a problem with this election. Uh, no, this is against the law. You're going to be uh, tarred and feathered with the J6. Uh, what was it, the scarlet letter? This yeah, is the hey, new yeah. scar. This is well, the new no, scarlet no, Jerry, letter. I mean, it gets and it gets back to what you and I have long talked about, which is the issue of if you want to know what the Democrats are doing, just look at what they're accusing Republicans of. Right. Look, so this is this is about they are trying to they are trying to kill democracy. There, there's um, a piece today uh, at National Review. And, and it's, I think it's outrageous. Um, it's, uh, it's Ted Olson, oh, Ted boy. Olson, of course, and, 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 and a series of, of former federal judges, uh, conservatives. And they make this claim that there was no fraud in the 2020 election that would have caused the overturn of the election. Like there's always the, ca yes, of the caveat, right? Yeah. But here's the problem with their analysis. And we've talked about this. This is not about this is not about, uh, uh, you know, uh, suitcases of ballots not being counted, although that might have happened. Yeah, this is about the fortification of the election prior to Election Day. Right. And how big media, big tech, biz, big business, the U.S. Chamber, uh, the Democratic Party colluded, colluded to to make sure that Donald Trump lost the election. And we have evidence of that. Well, but more to we, the point, more. I mean, wait, wait, just real quick. Wisconsin. Yeah, that's that's where Wisconsin, I was going. With this. Yes, they have Wisconsin that broke their own laws, uh, illegal, illegal mail-in ballots, and then of course Pennsylvania is the big issue where they literally broke the state's constitution uh, by uh, by changing the election laws without amending the constitution. And let's be really clear about about Wisconsin, right? So the Wisconsin Supreme Court rules that the change in election laws were illegal. Yes. And and that the mail-in ballot process was illegal. So that yes. essentially invalidates, could have potentially invalidated 100,000 ballots in a state that Joe Biden only won by 20,000 votes. Now, exactly we don't right. know how much, how many of those ballots were fraudulent or if any of them. But to say that there's no evidence of fraud. Well, that's the problem. That, that's, and, and, and that's the problem. And, and it, which goes to my theory yes. that this has nothing to do per se about Donald Trump. And it has everything to do with with, again, 
how dare you working class Americans think that you should you should have a say in trade policy, in domestic policy, in foreign policy. You see, Trump, look, you and I have criticized. And then him. I want to get I want to come yeah. back to this insurrection. Go ahead. Donald Donald Trump. We've criticized him. The problem with Donald Trump is Donald Trump. Yes. What he should have done is he got screwed. The 2020 election. Trump was screwed, period. Yes. And what however, what he should have done was taken it like a man. And yeah. he should have said, I was yeah, but, screwed, but, but, but I'm coming back but, but in 2024 to get you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote Jerry Rogers to Jerry Rogers. You know, we live in an era now. Now we have all of the norms, and the Democrats have broken all of the norms. And you have said, and I agree with you, that we need to push back whenever we can and we must push back. And so the problem, of course, is. You're right. Uh, according to according to tradition uh, uh, and traditions of civility in the United right. States, you lose the presidency. But but again, if we're fighting for the very I, essence I agree of the with republic, you. so but 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 I get but what but, but here's I, what he could have done. I agree done. with you as well. But this is what he could have done. He could have conceded, and then spent the unlike other presidents not Agreed. not go into the background. Spend the next two years, right? All of 2020, 2021, 2022, uh, talking about the fraud, talking right. about the Pennsylvania, talking about Wisconsin. Uh, his his problem was he allowed his ego and his anger. He he became emotional. Yeah, I mean, he, he was more Jim Kirk. And then, and he should have been more. He should have. He was more Bones and Kirk. And what we needed was Mr. Spock. Spock, yeah, or Captain. And and, and again, like, the bottom line is is he his he ruined it for himself. Donald Trump will never be president ever again. And I and I I disagree with you. He he does not run. I he, I don't I don't I don't know. I, listen, I, I, listen, I I think I don't think he runs, but I think it's looking. I think it's it, the the chances seem to be getting better. And this is my my point in all this as we talk about them trying to keep him off the ballot, right? Because they will, they will try and they may very well succeed in some place like New York or California or both. And this gets into their strategy for getting rid of the electoral college. What they, what they forget is that it, it, you know, that strategy only works in a system in which the presidency is decided by popular vote, right? Donald Trump is already going to lose any Republicans going to lose California and New York. They're not going to keep them off the ballot in Florida. They're not going to, you know. We're, yeah, we're, but but here's the thing, too, is that, and, I, and I always push back. Look, the yeah. Electoral College, uh, number one, to to amend it or to r rid ourselves of it, it has to be done by constitutional amendment, number one. Yeah. So it, you can't legislate this. Uh, number two, uh, it, it'd be insanity uh, to get rid of it because no, then no. we, we, but, but we no, would no, have no, the. This is my, this is my right. point, Jerry, is that, is that their, their entire strategy for trying to keep Donald Trump off the ballot in a handful of states doesn't work because the only states where it would work are states that Donald Trump isn't going to win. I anyway. understand that. But, and but, so, but, but here's what yeah. they don't consider, and not in this context, but just broadly. The uh, Republicans could roll the numbers up in states like New York and California. They won't win those states. Yeah. What happens is, is that uh, because of the Electoral College, Republicans are strategic and they spend yes. their money in states like Texas and Florida, states where they can win. Yes. And so they, they put zero money, zero, sure. zero effort, zero structure, no infrastructure whatsoever in New York and California. If all of a sudden we got to a point where they did amend the Constitution and they got rid of the Electoral College, 
Republicans would put great amounts of money uh, no, in, no. And in this parts is exactly of California that are that are red. Our good friend Saul Anuzis, our former friend Michael Steele. That this is they, this is they've they've talked about this. But but my point is setting all of this aside, and, and this is my point in the end. If the Democrats were to succeed in getting Donald Trump taken off the ballot in 2024 in uh, in um, California and New York, this would be the act that would embolden Republicans to come out in droves to support him. And the thing is, too, and is independence as well. They they couldn't knock him off the ballot. They would have to they would have to prevent him from the ballot. But then again, how could they do that? Because you would have to, if, all right, if he's prevented from being on the ballot in New York, this would be a legal decision. Yes. Right. Uh, so what would happen the, is, is that, is that they would petition the state board of elections and say right. under the 14th amendment um, and the, the, Donald Trump, he led an insurrection. Therefore under the 14th amendment, he is prohibited from, from being on, on the electoral ballot. And then what would happen is it would then go through the courts and eventually it would go to the Supreme court. Right. And, and Trump it, would be put back on the ballot and, and Trump would be put back on the ballot. And that's right. part. Of, and then, they, you know, they would use that as part of this. The question is, how much time would There's it, also would a question it, of the 14th Amendment and would it apply at all in, uh, to, to this circumstance? Because when the um, not the founders, but when the Congress wrote that amendment, they had <laughs> they had a very specific idea sure. of insurrection, no, no, but my, uh, uh, how it's defined. My, my, again, my point is we're, 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 we're you know, if we're going to get into the weeds here, right, it doesn't matter. We know what the courts would decide, right? We, we know what would happen. Let's assume for a moment. So we know that the California State Board of Elections would say, oh, yeah, hey, he engaged in insurrection. Then it would be challenged. And the District Court of California would agree um, because they're left. And then the Ninth Circuit would go if they, I guess they would, they would, I don't know if they would challenge it in federal or state court. Either way, at all of the state level or the lower level federal courts, they would affirm what the state board of elections did, and then it would go to the United States Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said, no, 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 that's not what any of this means. Donald Trump wasn't found guilty in a court of law. You're idiots. Um, uh, enough of this. Donald Trump's on the ballot. So we, we know how, again, it's not about substance. It's about kabuki theater. You know what? Yeah. You're brilliant. Let me, let me, let me tell you something real quick. This is why this all matters. And this is a big misread by the Democrats. So up until 2012, let me let, give me give me a minute here. Yep, that's fine. Go up ahead. until two, up until 2012, uh, the uh, both parties, the Democrats and the Republicans, understood that you would win presidential elections by winning the center. Yes. By winning the swing voter. And then 2012 happened and Barack Obama won re-election, uh, but for, for the first time in over a century, a president, a incumbent president won re-election with fewer votes than initially elected him. Yes. And when you look at all the data, all the data shows that Donald, I'm sorry, Barack Obama lost the middle. Yeah. He did not win swing voters. But what they were successful in doing in 2012, uh, because of his um, his infrastructure, his, his campaign infrastructure was state of the art. They were able to drive up the progressive base uh, to such a point that they were able to win the election. Yeah. And so thereafter, Democrats now believe that you win elections not by courting the middle, yeah. but by generating your base. This January 6th committee is all about generating the base. They right. believe, but here's the problem with that. Um, Donald Trump's 2016 election nullifies that theory. 
Yes. Because all of those centrist voters, uh, hard, you know, uh, uh, voters that didn't vote in prior elections came out to vote for Trump. Yeah. And 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 so they're much, still much to, Jerry's, much to Jerry's surprise, by the way. Yes. Uh, the so the Democrats are still operating on this. We have to generate the base, which is why abortion, guns, insurrection is all they're talking about. Right. But they're going to they're in for a rude awakening in 2022. And then again, depending upon the candidate in 2024, they're misread the, the, the Democrats are misreading the electorate, just like right. this this false notion that uh, demographics is destiny. Right. Uh, again, uh, second generation Hispanic immigrants are business owners. And when property taxes and licensing and regulations and energy taxes and energy costs, when all of inflation, when all of this is crushing them, you know, they might disagree with Republicans on 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 certain issues. But when it comes down to the pocketbook and kitchen cabinet issues, kitchen table uh, issues, they're going to vote for the GOP. Now, right. I don't think they're going to you know, be a permanent. I think Hispanic voters will be the uh, for the for the next for next generation anyway, will be the quintessential swing vote. Yeah. But see, but, Dem but Democrats never anticipated that. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, no, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with, with this. You know, let's tie this back in. I do want to spend a couple of minutes talking about um, we don't spend a lot of time talking about Maryland politics, um, but I do want to spend some time. You haven't been on since the primary happened, right? You, you haven't no. been on this week at all, right? No, so, but man, you, you think I went after the Swedish guys on a Sunday. Wait until you see the uh, the proverbial baseball bat I'm bringing to, to hit uh, uh, to hit over the the. The political head of uh, of Larry Hogan. Yeah, Larry Hogan has proved himself to be a man of low uh, low morals, uh, low standards, uh, zero character. This guy is. I'm so sorry. You think it's character he's, as opposed to as opposed to ineptitude. No. Okay. Larry Hogan is the carbon copy uh, of Martin Donald Allen? Trump. Of okay. Donald Trump. Oh, I see. It's a. It's all about ego. It's all about narcissism. It's all about hierarchy and, and you know, his kind of wealth. Uh, Larry Hogan is leaving the state of Maryland with zero legacy, nothing. He's accomplished nothing. Yeah. No lasting reform. Uh, no, 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 no bench. Uh, his his protege was crushed in the Republican primary. Uh, he uh, his uh, uh, the individual he endorsed in the most watched the state's attorney's race in the nation, maybe uh, uh, in Baltimore City, uh, his candidate came in third. Yeah. Uh, and legislatively, his he's, his, he's accomplished the nothing. Only, the only I don't know. I, I think the only candidate for Congress he endorsed did not do well. Right. Also lost that in, in Maryland's sixth congressional district. Um, you know, here's Foldy. Here's, he, he introduced Foldy. By the way, Foldy, Foldy, Matthew Foldy is a good guy. You know, no, listen, I, I, I want to be you. Matthew Foldy's a good guy. Um, you know, we're friendly with Theru Vignaraja. You, you've worked with him. I've worked with him. Uh, and, and I will say this. Kelly Schultz is an old friend of mine. I've known Kelly Schultz for many, many years. Um, but, but, but Kelly Schultz tried to do the, the Hogan two-step, and that is don't engage in ideas. Don't engage your opponent. Try to keep the happy face. Look, Larry Hogan will leave the governor governorship uh, with a 65% approval rating. Uh, and he never, he, he never spent any of it. 
well, all and, of that capital he never spent. He didn't, he didn't even spend it on Kelly Schultz. Here's the well, that's the thing that gets me is that he didn't spend it on Kelly Schultz. And then again, it was a primary. So, but 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 time out first because I want to go back to something which is which is, um, you know, Republicans never really understood why Republicans win in in Maryland statewide. You know, for offices like the governor, um, and, and they you know. Bob Ehrlich was a great governor. Bob Ehrlich was a great guy. I love talking to Bob. I think Bob has a brilliant political mind. But let's face facts. The reason why Bob Ehrlich won in 2002 is that he had he went up against um, um, Kathleen uh, Kennedy, Kathleen Kennedy Townsend, who was a complete right. boob. That's probably not the best way to put it. A complete um, uh, uh, not ready for prime time, not ready for prime time as a statewide candidate. And he right. trounced her. Then he runs against Martin O'Malley twice. And Martin O'Malley, who is a competent uh, 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 Maryland politician. And, 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 you know, notwithstanding his persona today, Martin O'Malley had the reputation of being a moderate Democrat. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, the Manhattan Institute uh, had praised him. Uh, and so he, he had, the, he had the, um, the bona fides, so to speak, of being a, a, a tough on crime, moderate uh, Democrat. Right ethnic democrat right he was in his irish band yeah so it makes perfect sense as to why he would so 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 then then um larry hogan runs against first anthony brown another incompetent maryland democrat and then the democrats put up ben jealous who weirdly enough was even more incompetent campaigning than than anthony brown was and so yes Larry Hogan built a statewide organization. Larry Hogan created, uh, he was, he, he, he stick to his message, you know, but Larry Hogan had to, Larry Hogan had to run a perfect campaign both in 2008 and uh, I'm sorry, 2014 and 2018 so that he could, uh, so that he would be able to um, uh, overcome the, the built-in obstacles here. And the problem of course with Kelly Schultz is uh, and we're going to go into this, is that she was not reading what was happening on the ground, looking at the numbers and realizing that she had to run a different campaign than Larry Hogan did. Um, the, the electorate was in a very different place than they were. I'll, um, I'll say just as a reminder, I am a registered Republican in the state of Maryland. Yes. I have voted in every single primary, every single school board election, every single general election uh, since I've been here. We have not yes. missed one, my wife and I. Uh, we got zero literature from uh, Kelly Schultz. Interesting. Not a phone. Now, I understand that the Democratic Governor Association was involved in the race. And I'm sure some of the mail I got in favor of, or not in favor of, but just some Dan Cox mail, I'm sure was generated from, from the left. But the bottom line is, though, I was contacted by his campaign numerous occasions, mostly sure. uh, with, uh, with uh, robocalls and with, a, and, and with a flyer, at least one, maybe two. Yeah. So again, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm a busy person, and I'm dealing with coaching my kids and paying taxes and getting this done and that done. And, uh, and I'm not paying attention, right? Because who's covering sure, I mean, course. look, you know, you watched, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in the DMV. And, and by the it way, wasn't even covered. by the way, let's, let's also remember that they pushed the primary into the middle of summer, which, right. which, which, you know, people are paying even less attention. So, so again, if I'm just a busy person, not paying attention, I'm in the DMV. And so therefore it's not covered on when, when I turn the six o'clock news on, it's, it's, it's DC news. It's not, right. it's not Baltimore news. Sure. And so therefore, how would I even know Kelly Schultz was running? Yeah. I, well, and, and that's just it, right? I mean, it was, it was, um, it was a lot of stuff on, on talk radio, both on WBAL, WCBM and, and, uh, and uh, WMAL that I was on. 
um, I, look, I, I'm, and, I'm, and a host, I'm a host. I'm a host of W. I want to say uh, this. Yeah. Sorry, go but ahead. Kelly, Holtz, Ke- Kelly Schultz campaign never contacted. I'm the most conservative right. uh, host at WBAL. Her campaign not one time contacted me. See, and that's interesting to me because I know, so she did. And she's been on my show before. She's done at least one interview on WCBM. That did not go well. Um, and, and but I, later she did it later. Yeah. And then, well, you know, yeah, she did it later. I mean, you're right. There should have been a, a, a steady din. She should have been doing she, all yeah, right. That. She should have been, she should have been on WCBM 10 times. Yes. Over and, the and course of, over the course of 10 months on 10 times. I mean, so I remember my, my point is it's, it's that there was, there was a real lack of understanding or some kind of a disconnect between the kind of campaign she was running and the and the and what was happening on the ground, right? You you look at Malaya Cromer's numbers out of Goucher College and the bulk of Maryland Republicans, right? Remember, as you said, Jerry, uh, empirically statewide, Larry Hogan has a 65% approval rating. But among Maryland Republican voters, 70% of Maryland Republican voters think the state's on the wrong track. And, and so you are, it is, you know, it was incumbent upon Kelly Schultz as an incumbent, uh, but as, you know, running as a Larry Hogan cabinet member to, to try to thread that needle between Larry Hogan and the 70% of Maryland Republicans who think they're on the wrong track, who think the state's on the wrong track. Right. But Andrew, this is what, and this is what gets me about, you know, uh, um, you know, folks who are pro Schultz people who are now again, screaming in anger that Kelly Schultz lost uh, and are threatening to leave the Republican Party uh, over this. It's like, you know something, grow the fuck up. Pardon my French, Jerry. Um, your, 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 your candidate lost. She's a lovely, brilliant, competent candidate um, who was badly advised um, and, and, and didn't recognize and, and, the and Hogan, and, under her. And Hogan himself again, showed himself to be a person of, of low character, saying that this crazy man has no business being on the ballot. Never mind the voters put him on the ballot. Yeah, that's right. All right, number one. So again, that kind of, that kind of elitist and, and attitude. So, and so, you know something? And so what happens, right, is that in the end, this, and this then becomes the self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, our person didn't win in the primary, therefore I'm not going to vote for this person in the general election, and I'm going to come away and say that that uh, that that you know uh, my point was proved because this guy didn't win the general he right. didn't do better in the general election well you know something guess what you're right if you don't vote for the guy and you're a republican and by the way you're a republican party official you're running for central committee and you're not going to vote for the republican candidate you know listen i think it's incredibly telling when someone runs as a baltimore uh, i'm sorry as a maryland republican party official and then because the can- the, the primary doesn't go their way with their candidate they're leaving the republican party yeah, I think it's again low character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, and and the, and, the, and the bottom line is this, right? I look. No, sorry, go ahead. Look, I, look. Um, uh, Dan Cox, who did win the primary, has a built-in base of about thirty percent in the state. We know this, yeah. but the idiot Hogan staffers, idiots, just idiots, idiots. Meaning they need custodial care. They need someone to wipe their ass for them. That's how yeah. stupid they are. Uh, one of them, I think it was his communications director, said something like, uh, well, you know, uh, Donald Trump got 33 percent of the vote in Maryland. And what's Cox think? He's going to get uh, more than that in an off year election. Yes. Yeah. In an off year election. Absolutely. By, by because the way, there is no top of the ticket because 
right or wrong. I mean, this was if this was the if there was ever a year with the inflation numbers and the Democrats, that's exactly it, right? This would be the year where well, Dan Cox site for a moment, could squeak something for out. A that, that Dan Cox believes that the election were fraudulent. Let's you know assume for a moment that he believes in you know all of all of these other things. Substance matters and policy matters. This is the thing that gets me because either these are the same folks. I'm going to use, I'm going to curse again, who took a big giant shit all over Donald Trump, right? While he was president, Larry Hogan's a prime example of this big old Larry shit Hogan, on Donald Trump. Larry and Hogan when, was when, the when, cudgel. Ga when gas prices were low, when, when they had the highest level of, of, uh, of employment in, in, you know, in essentially in the nation's history, when we had a regulatory state that was being kept at bay, all of those really good things, but we voted against him or we wouldn't vote for him or we carped about him going into 2020 because we, because of the mean tweets. And here's where we are now. So these same people are going to essentially cede all of the electoral ground, right? I'm not saying that they're going to go and vote for Westmore, but if they're going to stay at home and allow Westmore to become elected and allow Maryland to have, again, once again, a Democratic governor, a Democratic uh, House and a Democratic Senate, and we know what those what those bodies are going to do, right. you know, then they are essentially they're essentially seating the entire state's governance and, 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 regardless, and, and, hold on, and, regardless of how Dan Cox might run, right? Cause we know that Dan Cox is going to run on a pro parent education platform. He's going to run on a, uh, on a, a pro, you know, uh, conservative economics platform. And you know something, you're right. He's probably not going to compromise with the legislature. Um, but what he will do is he will veto a bunch of bad stuff and force the and, Democrats to have And to he's already for. talked about this. Yeah. So I, I don't want to bore our out of Maryland listeners, but this eh. is important. How can a Republican, a Republican governor in a blue state, uh, how can he wheel and deal and get things done? Something that Larry Hogan failed to do. What you do is you you hold back monies. Yes. So I was uh, on uh, on WBAL and uh, Marty from Pikesville uh, called Parksville called in. Yeah. And uh, he was saying that the one thing Larry Hogan never did that he should have done was like previous uh, governors like uh, Schaefer yeah, and, and, other, and, other, and other governors, when he didn't get what he wanted, when the legislature would not compromise with him, he would hold back funds. Yeah. And then it forced the Democrat, it forced it was Democrats and Democrats this set. It forced his opponents to the, to the negotiation table. Sure. Do you realize that Larry Hogan's been governor for eight years? He never once even used this. Right. He could have. He could have gotten reform. He could have gotten uh, 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 compromises, but he, he never wanted to sacrifice his popularity. Right. Because if you hold back fundings on programs that are popular, well, then you could take a ding and, for and, that. And let me let me just say one more thing about this, because we are running short on and time. And Dan Cox, by the way, has said he would do that. And, and, uh, he and would control the purse strings in a way sort of that would force Democrats to, to compromise. The independent voters who are out there. And, and where Kelly Schultz's big failure was. Um, and again, say this as a friend. Kelly Schultz should have done more to distance herself from the COVID-19 policies of the Hogan administration. She should have said and could have said, you know, listen, I was the cabinet secretary. There are things that I, could, that I couldn't say that I can say now. We got things wrong. I would have done this differently. And here's what I would do differently as governor. She never, she never articulated that. Um, and, and that was a problem. And she didn't articulate that at a time when Larry Hogan wasn't doing buckets to help her campaign. Um, Andrew, you know, I mean, Andrew, yes. you, 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 you're, you're a political observer. Yeah. I don't remember her campaigning period until up until up until the last 
couple or three no, weeks. I mean, I, I, I saw she was out there. She was pressing the flesh. She was certainly out there doing, doing things um, w- without a doubt. But I think in the end um, she was, it, it, listen, ultimately the buck stop stops with her in terms of the decisions that were made in the campaign, but she was very badly advised as the direction of this campaign and how to do this. You know, um, if, if I were Kelly Schultz, I would hold a press conference and I would endorse Dan Cox. A hundred percent. I agree with that. But she won't. Yeah. Well, she won't do it. She won't. um, And that's, and that's, and that's a shame because you're, you're absolutely correct. There should be this press conference and she should say, listen, Dan Cox and I disagree on a great many things. uh, But what is important is the state and we should do this. You're absolutely correct. But even there, I I keep on going back to this, but but, let me, on what issues, what, on what issues does Dan Cox and, uh, and um, and Kelly Schultz disagree. I don't know, and that's and that's and that's the other part of this, right? Is again in that in that uh, um, you know in, in you know Dan Cox may be a little bit more you know pro life than Kelly Schultz is, right? Um, maybe that was by the way, and I called this at the time the nail in her coffin. I we talked about this weeks and weeks, maybe months ago, where I said that Don Cox, Dan Cox was going to win, but when I knew it for sure was her absolute weak response when asked about the Dobbs decision. Initially, she, her initial response was, 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 was lukewarm. Was, was lukewarm. She said yeah. that she would, she, she quote, I won't lift a finger to change the law in Maryland, yeah. unquote. Yeah. Horrible. But, but, my, but my point is she then came around and talked about her own. Later on, she came on and, and talked about her own narrative with, with regards to this. But listen, this, this is my point here. And I want to get back to what you just said about the endorsements. This is a this is part of the problem with Maryland Republicans. Now I know I've said this before. I used to think that the Maryland Republican Party was the most screwed up Republican Party in the country until I met until I realized that every Republican Party is the most screwed up Republican Party in the country. But a problem that and I don't know this about other Republican parties. I was active in the Maryland Republican Party. The problem with Maryland Republicans is that they hold grudges, and those grudges prevent people from coming together after elections after primaries and and you know whether it is and i'm listen i was guilty of this in terms of what happened to my friend dick saucy in the 36 now i eventually came around and i and i'm a big fan of, of steve hershey um but you know other other areas where people hold grudges and they won't person a won't talk to person b because of what they've done um and they and they simply will not come together this is a huge problem in maryland so people who when their candidate loses threaten and say i'm leaving the republican party you know something okay fine you know leave but that's that's the reason why the republican party right it's like the line from uh um uh, uh it's like the line from lawrence of arabia that's why they will be a a, a little people a silly people nasty nasty barbarous and cruel uh, that's that's just it jerry listen we are we've been at this for an hour and a half know. if you can believe it so and i know you gotta you gotta go um you are so are you gonna go uh, see the yankees at, at o's this weekend um i don't know we'll see um <laughs> I have Eeyore's I, I, to be honest with you it's, it's it's almost a matter of principle for me now where where um where i think the best the best uh uh secret sauce to solve baltimore's problems is for everyone who doesn't have to be in Baltimore or never go to Baltimore. Sure. When I look, folks who are listening, Baltimore City, and I've lived in the Bronx. I have done work in Newark and Camden. I worked regularly in Trenton, some of the worst cities in, in, in the country. I have been in and out of Chicago. I've been in 
urban areas around the country, there is no worse yeah. than Baltimore City. And, what's, and what makes it the worst is its political leadership has no they have ideas again, even if or they have no they have no they have no uh intention on making things better baltimore is 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 bad among equals of equally bad all of the things that these cities have in common is politicians who are unwilling to solve those problems i i, I think that chicago by the way on the way home jerry and yeah. uh and i i'm still i'm still salty that i was denied a chicago dog I'm still bummed about this. I think I think the, the Orioles should the Orioles should come uh, and uh, build a stadium next to the uh, Germantown Soccerplex. Here you uh, go. And uh, because here's what's going to happen. Mark my words. In another 20 years, Germantown, Maryland, uh, will be more of a metropolis, have more people in it than Baltimore City. And Jerry says this, and he still can't find his way to Old Town, Germantown. I can't. No, no. <laughs> Gaithersburg. Yes. All true. right, Jerry, you're on. Uh, you're on on Sunday. I'm on Sunday. If it's Sunday, it's Jerry on WBAL. It looks like I'll be on next Friday in the oh, afternoon, good. filling in for um, filling in for Kim Klasik, I think ten to two. When are you going on vacation? Uh, we are going to be away in August. Same here. Yeah. Do, you, do you know when? Or do we only need to announce? I don't want. Here? I don't want to tell these people. They no, might. Yeah, they yeah, might yeah, try yeah, to break yeah, into my house, house or something. Yes, of course. Well, we'll talk about this off the air. You, Jerry, and I, we're going to figure out the schedule. We're going to try to get some special shows in the can. Um, and I don't mean in the bathroom. I mean, you know, pre-recorded so that we have content that we can release while we're away. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Jerry, what do you want people to do? They have to plant their feet. Find, right? the, find the truth, plant your feet, and stand firm. Have a great week, everybody. Yeah, thank you, Jerry. Have a great week, everybody. Have fun and stay safe.